Hello guys and good morning. As you know, this is the Flowering Compass and I am Maddie Sue. And today we will be diving into the subject of depression. So kind of just a fair warning, I will put these suicide hotlines and that all that information down uh, below if you if you need any kind of thing like that. But this is just, you know, a fair warning. I will be talking about depression and my experience um, with depression. So without further ado, let's get started. Um, I just kind of want to kick it off and just talk about what, you know, when I feel depressed, just kind of my, my feelings around that, if you, if you know what I mean. Um, so I would not say by any means that I am clinically or chronically depressed. Um, I think that we all go through waves in moments um, and periods of time where we do feel depressed. And I think that's natural. I think it's a natural emotion, especially as, you know, if you're a teen, especially if you're a teen, that kind of stuff tends to happen. We, we tend to feel a little depressed sometimes. And I think that's okay. I think that we need to let it be okay. We need to say, okay, I may feel a little depressed. That doesn't mean I am depressed. Um, I think that's that's a very big distinction because like when I start to feel depressed or you know just not having a great day, I'm like oh I'm depressed or you know I start to really beat myself up about it, and I don't think we should do that. I, I think that that's not helpful. Um, I think what we need to do is we need to ask for help. If we do feel like we are chronically depressed, then we probably want to seek help. But if we're just going through a little you know bump in the road that that's okay and I think we need to realize that it's okay to be depressed that we don't need to make ourselves out to be wrong or bad or this or that no all emotions are natural and we should let them be okay they may not be fun and I am not saying by any means depression is a fun emotion to have like joy or anything no I did not say that what I am saying is that we need to be aware of it we need to be aware that okay we we may be a little depressed sometimes and I think that's, I think that's okay, but like I said, I think if you are chronically depressed, that is something that you probably need to get looked at, and um, so yeah, I go through little, you know, ups and downs for some days or some weeks. I feel just consistently depressed. I got bags under my eyes. I'm just not doing well. I'm staying up till midnight, and I'm just a mess of a disaster. I have those days. I have those weeks. It happens, um, and I would say that like because i feel like depression could also mean different things to different people people feel depressed in different ways if that makes sense like everyone's going to experience depression differently and they're going to react to it differently and for me i would explain it as depression for me is, is this drowning sensation is not sensation but it's just it feels like you're drowning um like you can't breathe everything is just kind of caving in falling on you um you don't know how to swim you're just kind of flailing in the water and it's it's just a mess like that's that's what depression is for me is you know when i go through little spurts of it is that's just how i feel i want to be closed off from everyone i don't want to talk to people i want to be locked away in my room and how i cope with that and i want to make an entire video Maybe even like or a podcast or maybe maybe I do do YouTube at some point and I make an entire video series or podcast. Not season, but like a little mini series on um, coping. Because I think t- for me, coping is very powerful. And I think that I have horrible methods of coping. And I just think that that's important 
to bring up and to talk about. So I feel like I want to talk more about that. So there, I, I do want to do more episodes like that, and I will for sure at some point have either an entire you know, episode on coping, which could be forever long, or at some point it would be cool to do YouTube, or I know there's other streaming platforms out there now since there's a bunch of sketchy stuff going on with YouTube. Um, but, yeah, that's just kind of a side note. But um, I think, you know, I don't have the best coping mechanisms. So when I get depressed, my coping, it somewhat helps get me out of it, but, like, not really nor completely and not in necessarily the way of, okay, I've gotten through that and I've moved through that and now we're ready to jump right back in. No, it kind of just pushes me in. I wouldn't say deeper, but it makes me more isolated. Um, but it does, it does, it does make me like happy, I guess is the word. It's like, you know, that little hit of dopamine, like you're having a bad day and you like, I don't know, watch a funny YouTube video. It's that hit of dopamine that you're like, oh my God. And then you just like binge watch whatever you're watching. So for me, it's like, is this drowning sensation? And every once in a while you can get like a little floaty, but like then it pops or deflates. So it doesn't last forever. Um, but you can consistently try to blow it up. So, you know, little analogies there for you. But yeah, I would definitely say, like, drowning. When I feel depressed, it's like this drowning feeling where I'm just flailing in the water. And I don't know what to grab onto or who to trust or who to open up to. And John, whom was on my podcast on Monday, great guy, such a cool dude. He was really neat to have on, but he talks about um, don't hold everything in, and I think that's such an important lesson, because I feel like, you know, when you are depressed, at least for me, the feeling and the want is to hold everything, and you don't want to open up, and you don't, you just don't, you don't, or at least for me, it's that way, is I don't want to open up, I don't, I don't want to be available to people, I just want to shut myself off, and, and be in my room in the corner doing what I want to do. I don't want to deal with people. I don't want to help make dinner. I don't want to bother with my family. I don't want to be in that messy madness of a world. And so I just, I get really closed off and closed down. And I really, really don't want to open up and talk to people. And I think what John says is so important because the second you open up and talk to people, it's much better. Like I'll open up and talk to my dad and I feel so much better afterwards. Um, but just the process of getting there is so hard and he talks um john talks specifically about parents because he is older he's no longer a teen and so having gone through that experience i think that he knows you know so he talks a lot about how like yeah your friends are there for you for the time being but they're not going to be there for you forever often you'll drift apart from your friends after high school or college at some point it happens you don't have the same friends or i would assume that a lot of you don't have the same friends that you had in elementary you find different friend groups you find new friends so i think that the point he makes about the people that are really going to be there for you forever and ever are going to be your parents and siblings possibly um but like i just i think that's a good point because right now like i remember when i first heard that i was like really like i don't know for me it was like and now nah, my friends comprehend me better they they know what i'm going through because we're going through it together but it's like at the same time, our parents have already gone through it and come out of it to a certain extent. And I guess, it, you know, that all depends on what kind of households you're in because everyone has different circumstances. And I don't want to pretend I know, like, exactly what your family life is like. No, I have no idea, you know. 
and that's not really my business either is i'm just i'm just here to talk about stuff i yeah my goal is to comprehend and to understand not to know everything because i don't know everything if that makes sense i don't know what that was that was just a weird little tangent thing um but yeah i definitely have this like drowning i just feel like i'm drowning when i'm depressed it's just very like i want to stay up late and watch netflix i don't want to be around people and it's just so like depressing and disheartening to like come out of the end of it or towards the end of it and be like all i did was watch netflix like what are you doing with your life and that's the other thing is i beat myself up about it so hard and i'm sure a lot of you do this too is just every little thing you just beat yourself up and punish yourself why'd you do that why'd you say that why'd you act this way now they think you're this now they think you're that oh what are you doing you're so stupid you're so this you're so that it's these consistent thoughts over and over and over and over and over again just consistently your mind is consistently just beating yourself up just like no this no that no just ah, it's just it's so hard to like get out of that because i also think that's a big part of why people like almost get depressed is because i don't i wouldn't say they make themselves depressed but it's like it's just consistent i wouldn't say that at all i would not say that people make themselves depressed i would say that it's this when you are consistently thinking those thoughts because your brain because our brains fire and wire all the little it's it's a thing it's a whole science go do research about it it's very complicated but it's the firing fire and wiring process when we consistently fire the same pathways over and over again they become solidified and strong so if we're consistently saying those things to ourselves we're only gonna we're only gonna say them even more and more and more which is the loop of where we get caught if we start telling ourselves our beautiful consistently we're gonna say that more and more and more because we think about like what 90 percent of the same thoughts every day or some crazy statistic like that because our brains are just so used to like oh this happened we're gonna think that um because we're we we're we're animals and we react to things. We're, we're reactive animals. That's the word. We're reactive and we're animals. Um, and so when something that happens, we have a natural reaction, whatever that may be, however we grew up. Um, that's, that's somehow in some way that form. So if something happens, your immediate instinct may be to shame yourself and to say, oh, you're so bad at this. You're so bad at that. And I see myself doing a lot of that. And it's just because that's what I'm used to doing. Something happened, and my immediate response is to say, Oh, Maddie, you're such an idiot. Why did you do that? What's wrong with you? And that's just the, my immediate reaction. And it's like, I would not want anyone to treat themselves the way I treat myself. Or I would not want to treat anyone the way I treat myself. And it's like, that's just such a strange thing. Because we want to treat everyone else better and we want everyone else to treat themselves better. Yet we can't treat ourselves the way we deserve to be treated. Because we all deserve to be loved. And I think that starts with self-love. And that's just something that I feel like our generation has struggled a lot with. And people in general. Like this isn't even like just focused on teens. Like like people in general struggle with self-love and struggle with you know, all this kind of stuff that we're talking about. Like, people just in general struggle with this. Like, this is an issue. Um, you know, suicide, that's, that's a thing. 
And I have an interview coming out on Friday that I did with Abby, a friend of mine. And oh my gosh, it's, I was on the verge of tears several times in this interview. This interview was truly amazing and just eye-opening. And it's extremely inspirational, yet extremely sad, if you know what I mean. But I love Abby. She is an extremely dear friend to me. I've known her for almost two years now. Yeah. Yeah, about two years now. And um, it's just been amazing. She's she's such a good friend. I, I love her a lot. She's just, she's really amazing. And I'm really excited for our interview because it's going to just be I know it's going to be so amazing, right? We've already had the interview. I'm excited for you guys to listen to it. I feel like you guys are really going to like it. Um, but my first, and this kind of gateways or segments into the kind of somewhat next topic, is just my experience of kind of seeing depression in others. And like I said earlier, it's so hard because we want people to, well, we look at our friends and we're like, oh my God, no, you're so, you're so amazing. It's okay. We all make mistakes. Don't beat yourself up about it. Yet something happens and we do the same thing. We beat ourselves up about it. We're such hypocrites. But it's not like a hypocrite in a bad way. We just don't want others to treat themselves the way that we treat ourselves. And it's just this strange loop of, no, don't say that about yourself. You're amazing and beautiful. You don't look ugly. And like, because so often we don't see the flaws of others. I look at my friends and I see beautiful people who have gone through a lot, but they've come out stronger on the other side. And now because of that, they care so much and they're just loving and, and they're beautiful and they have gorgeous souls. And yet they look at themselves and they can only see a screw up who just messes things up and who isn't worthy of love. And it's just, that's, that's how we perceive ourselves. And that's just so heartbreaking to me that others can see the beauty in ourselves but we can't and that's we really need to and I think that's just the one of the biggest steps in our journey to self-discovery is just this feeling of lostness of not knowing who we are it often comes you know somewhat from the fact that we feel like somewhat of a mess up maybe and a screw up and we're just lost and confused and we can't do anything right so um yeah back to my experience with Abby so the first time I kind of got a real, like, look at depression in others, because I, I kind of always, I, you know, had seen it in myself, and we talked about that, about how I just, just always beat myself up, we talked about that, but, um, seeing it in others was such a shock the first time, because, like, I knew it was there, but being the tiny little seventh grader I was, I didn't know the extent of it, and I just, I hear about these things like teenagers dying from depression or teenagers dying from suicide, suiciding this, this and that and depression. And I, I knew it was a reality, but there's a moment where it just sinks in. And that for me was with Abby. And um, it was just such an eye-opening experience almost. Um, because, and I, I really... I'm trying to think of the best way to put this, but um, I remember seeing Abby being carried off in a stretcher after school one day. I was in seventh grade, so I was this tiny little seventh grader, almost eighth grader, end of the year, and she's being carried off in this stretcher, and I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? <laughs> and I just, I was so confused and scared and nervous, um, and I just, I didn't know what to do. I, I was 
I just, I mean, the biggest emotion I was feeling was confused because I didn't know why it was happening. I didn't know, was she hurt? Did she break a bone? Like, what's happening? And I didn't see her for the rest of the semester and for the rest of the year because it was the end of the year. It was the last, last quarter. I didn't see her for the rest of that time. So I didn't see her for a long time. And I, um, you know, learned later because I asked a friend that knew Abby and she was like, give her time. She'll tell you. I was like, okay. So I didn't really ask about it for a long time. We met up again several months, I think, later. And um, we were talking and she told me about how she had attempted suicide. And I, I remember in that moment just being like shocked. Like I didn't, I didn't know because Abby to me was this lighthearted person who just loved my little pony she was such a good friend she was so sweet and amazing and I was like oh my god like it was just this realization that I didn't know Abby the way I thought I knew her or I didn't know everything about Abby and it was just this realization that the people that are sometimes the most lighthearted and caring and fun are really you know just really good at suppressing their emotions and that's hard and I just you know she was like don't get mad at me I was like I'm not mad at you she was like why would I don't know because she because I guess her first reaction about her telling me was the fear that I was going to be mad at her that she either didn't tell me or that she didn't and I was like what I mean I don't know to me it's like why would you get mad at someone who attempted suicide because I feel like that just pushes them in deeper. Like, oh, stupid me, I shouldn't have done it. No, I don't know. And I guess, you know, like, I guess, I don't know. It was just, I just remember it all being so surreal in that moment. Like, because I, when I walked into, and the place I went to was called AMS. Um, when I walked into AMS, I was this tiny little seventh grader. You know, I just, in sixth grade, I was in elementary because they do it weird here in Arizona. But anyway, I was this tiny little seventh grader, and um, I just had no idea. And I'm walking into this public high school as the tiniest, most unknowing little seventh grader who thought she knew stuff. And I was like, I knew crap. <laughs> like, I didn't know anything. Into this day, Basha High School has been the most eye-opening experience for me just because it just has been you know it's just insane and I was like oh my god wow that's insane because it was just it was just so eye-opening because I'm walking on from I went from an elementary to a public high school because like, public elementary is much different than public high school like you start getting into the charters and whatnot and charters become different in like junior high and high school because they just have different environments not as much vaping or cursing go to a public high school all hell's broken loose like there ain't there ain't a whole new back like you got kids vaping in the bathroom you got people pulling out drugs at lunch like it's a whole thing and i knew crap and i walked into basha as this tiny tiny little seventh grader and my eyes were just opened in so many different ways and i got trampled in the hallways more than once <laughs> I was a very tiny, very, very tiny 7th grader, but um, I loved it. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had. I would not take it back for anything. It was amazing. I do not regret my time there. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, But yeah, it was just, 
you know, that moment with Abby, everything just became so real for me. Because I feel like you can hear about it in the news and everything, but once it happens to someone you know or love, it just changes the game. It just becomes so different, and it's just it's just crazy um, how it changes the game for you. Because it's like, wow, this isn't in some TV show or some movie. This is happening to me. This happened to my friend. Um, and now I do not know what to do about it. Because I want to be there for her, and I want to tell her that I love her. And that she's amazing, and she's beautiful, and she's so sweet and kind, and so unique. Um, but I don't, at the same time, I don't know what she's been through. And I don't want to pry, and I don't want to pull. So for me, it was just this moment of, I don't know what to do. And I felt, you know, it's this feeling of helplessness. Because I have always been the person that wants to be there for my friends 24-7. And, you know, I'm, I'm the one who's, like, holding on tight when they're crying in the corner because they're having an anxiety attack. I'm, you know, like, I've always strived to be that friend who feels like, you know, I'm here, I'm open, I'm not going to judge you. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, no matter, no matter what it is, I want to be the one to be there for you. And I want, I'm not the one that's going to tell you how to solve your problems because honestly, I don't know how to solve your problems. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to your story and I'm going to try to make you feel heard because I think that's one of the most important things is to just making sure that they feel heard because I think that's a big thing is just like at home, people tend not to feel heard. I don't feel heard. A lot of the times in my own house, I feel really like I try to say something. It's like, oh, I want to pull my hair out sometimes. Like, it just gets so frustrating. So I think for someone to really sit down and listen and make others feel hurt, I think that's so important. And um, <laughs> my bio teacher the other day was talking to this kid. And he was talking a lot in class. And he goes, you have two years. He goes, how many years do you have? He goes, two he goes how many math do you have he goes one he goes god's never wrong he gave you two ears so you listen twice as much as you speak or something like that and i just was like oh my gosh that's so true because we just really need to listen and make others heard because it's important to use our voices i completely agree it's important to use our voices but at the same time sometimes we just need to stop and listen um and I feel like we've lost that in several different aspects. One I could go into is politicians. I feel like politicians simply just blurt out what they want to say and try to make their voice heard over all others and then don't really try to like listen to the other side and understand why they think that. And I think if we really truly tried to understand people and say, okay, well, why do you believe what you believe? And maybe, you know, we can talk about it. Like, I think that's so important is this idea of why do you believe what you believe? What are your values? I think those are important questions, and I think just listening to others is so important, making them feel heard, and trying to truly comprehend, and not necessarily comprehend, but just understand them, try to understand them to the best of your ability, and that's what I've always tried to do with my friends, is to just say, I want to understand you, I want to understand what you're going through and why, and if you're not ready to open up, I'm not going to like be that annoying friend that's like, what's happening, what's happening, like, no, I am here, I am ready, and I am waiting, and when you are ready to open up, I'm here and I'm always going to be here. I don't intend to go anywhere. So no matter what school I'm at or where I'm at in the world, text me, call me, I am here. And I have, you know, I've, I've had several friends open up to me. And I think that's just because it's like when you're just willing to be present and you're not going to push and say, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, I'm here for you, I'm here for you. Like, no, don't consistently say that. It's more kind of an energy thing, I think. It's just saying like, saying it once, like, hey, I'm here for you. If you need anything, 
it's like kind of that soft soothing so when they are breaking down and they need someone to call in the middle of a panic attack you may be the one they call because everyone else is like oh i don't want to get because a lot of times when people are in those states they don't want to get stupid advice not that the advice is stupid they just they're they're not ready for advice yet i think there's a process and when you immediately open out the gate with advice 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 oh let me fix your problem like that's not what they want they want you to hear their problem and if they want advice and you feel like you know they are ready give a little bit of advice but don't like stick it in their face like no i think it's a it's something that just takes time and especially with depression when you're in that state of and i've found this a lot just you know as i'm getting older i'm having more of those moments of just drowning (laughs) you know like we talked about earlier i'm just having more of these like i'm gonna drown moments ah someone save me (laughs) um so i think that you know as i'm getting older i'm having more of those experiences i'm realizing and you know the more i'm consistently beating myself up i'm realizing it's so hard to change and it's so hard because people can tell you all day long you're beautiful you're gorgeous and some people just can't take compliments i can take compliments i'll let blush which is which is good. I'm trying to keep that aspect of just being able to take a comp- um, compliments because I think the next step is just because when you can't take compliments, I think that's when just everything falls apart. Now, the reason I say everything kind of falls apart when you can't take compliments or starts to is because when you can't take compliments, you really, I feel like that's the point where you really think so badly about yourselves that every time someone tells you your hair looks good, or you look cute in that outfit, or oh my gosh, you're smart, or good job at this, or good, you did good on that test. I feel like the automatic assumption then is because you can't, because you think so poorly of yourself, you start to believe that everyone's lying to you, and pitying you, and you get into this circle and tunnel of, oh my gosh, I'm being lied to by everyone because I'm so ugly and pathetic and dumb that people feel the need to make me better by lying to me and they pity me and I feel like once you get into that state of mind it just becomes so so hard and I think that in several points and stages I think honestly beating negative self-talk is probably the hardest part in my opinion of all of this um, and again, these are just all my opinions. So if you disagree, feel free. I guess when I if I post on Instagram, you know, you want to say, well, this is what I struggle with. Maybe we can talk about it at some other time in another episode. I would love, you know, I'm always open to feedback, constructive criticism, all that stuff. Or just if you have something you would like to share. I love, I love that. I love communicating and connecting with you guys. Um, but yeah, I just think that you know, once you get down into that spiral of just negative self-talk, it's so hard to beat. For me, it's the hardest part because it's just like you really just have this animosity for yourself. And that's hard. It's hard to hate yourself. Well, it's not hard. It's actually kind of easy once you start it um, because you just start consistently beating yourself up and hating on yourself. Like, you're an idiot. You're this. And I know I've been saying that a lot, but, like, that's what I tell myself (laughs) is just these, these words. And I'm sure a lot of you guys you know, may say it too. It's just this consistent repeating of, I'm an idiot, I'm stupid, I'm confused, I don't know what I'm doing, why am I such a mess? That's the one I always say. 
why am I such a mess? Why am I so such a disaster? Why am I like this? That's the other one. And so, you know, and people constantly tell me, you know, people around me whom I care for, um, and, you know, whose, whose opinions matter to me, they'll tell me that I'm, you know, I'm nice, I'm sweet, I'm this or I'm that. And, like, you know, some days it's easier to take it than others because it's like, well, maybe they're right. You know, I care and I value their opinions. And they are, you know, people that I do look up to. And I, so I think the question is you have to ask yourself, why would they lie? Um, and I guess if they truly pity you, they may lie. But I think that if your friends are truly close enough to you, they're not going to give you a compliment that's, like, fake. They're going to try to give you compliments that they mean. Because I feel like there's an energy difference there. I'm an, I, let me talk about energy. I'm an energy person. Like, I'm the person that can walk into the room and feel the vibe. I'm like nah, if this ain't my place, I'm, I'm out, like, poof, I'm gone, <laughs> so I know, I, I'm pretty good with that kind of thing, if you know what I mean, um, so, but, like, I think it's also, like I said, it's an energy thing, because it's, like, if you're lying, you know, it's, like, a half fake comment, or compliment, it's, like, they kind of know, but, like, some people will truly just, like, they'll be, like, oh, your earrings are cute today, or I like your dress, and I think honestly those are just like kind of on the spot, like, oh my god, they just noticed something, like, oh my god, that's cute, I often compliment people's hair, because I guess, I don't know, um, like, I'll be like, oh my god, that's, I love your braids, they're so cute, like, you know, it's like, that's just not like, hmm, how can I make them feel better, because they're feeling so pathetic and awful about themselves, like, that's not the thought process, the thought process is, oh my god, your braids are adorable, I love them, that's more of the thought process there, so I think the questioning just is, why would they lie to you? And if you truly believe they would lie to you, think about that. And I think that this whole process is a very deep, complicated one. So if you need help, a therapist is probably good. You know, talk to your parents, counselors. There's people out there who want to help you. Um, friends, even. You know, I think parents are a big one. Like um, John talked about in the interview on Monday. Um you know parents are a big one a big one of just like they will always be there for you and a lot of them do care i'm not saying that i know all of your home life stories because i don't i don't know what's happening at home but a lot of them do care even though you feel like they may not show it 100 percent of the time a lot of them do care and they do care about what happens to you and they're just trying their best but a lot of it is it's that's how their parents taught them and these are just subconscious patterns that they learned from their parents and they're just subconsciously repeating them which is why you tend to see patterns through family lines of like parent treated child like this now child goes on to treat kids like this um and it's just subconscious of like little little kid like as a three-year-old your parent treated you some way so you're gonna now treat your three-year-old it's a i think it's a whole thing which is you know it's a whole thing it's a whole thing um but it's a subconscious patterns that you learn um so i think you just be easy on your parents I, it's hard i know sometimes you feel like your parents suck but i think for a lot of us our parents really are trying their best and a lot of them are just you know as some of them is, are just as lost and confused as us because they never really knew where to go or they, they don't really know who they are either and they're maybe stuck in jobs they don't like or they're you know confused or they just lost their job like there's a lot going on right now um so I think it just, it varies from person to person. Um, but I do think that if you are in a cycle of self-hate, and it's early on, 
break it. And I know that's hard to say from almost any stage. Because self-hate and self-loathing. And this episode kind of transformed into self-hate and self-loathing. But I honestly think it plays a big part in depression. Of that self-hate and self-loathing. It's just like when you're drowning. It's just like... You just hate yourself. That's the reason you would be driven to suicide. Is like... If you loved yourself and you accepted yourself for who you were and you didn't consistently beat yourself up, you probably, one, wouldn't be depressed. I mean, maybe you are. I, I don't know your guys' stories. One, you may not be depressed. Two, you probably wouldn't be attempting to commit suicide. Like, I think the, the biggest part of suicide is self-hate and self-loathing. And it's this idea that I'm such an awful person. I'm such a mess up. I'm such a screw up. The world would be better off without me. My friends would be happier without me. I am such a bad, awful person. I do not deserve to be in this world. Um, That's really the only way to get to that point is just deep, deep, deep deep-seated self-hate and self-loathing. And I think that we really need to look at that and ask where that came from because sometimes it's from maybe other people. Maybe we were bullied and it's from this idea that, you know, we don't feel worthy. And there's just so many aspects that play into that. And so... Um, I'm going to end it here in a minute or two, um, but I kind of want to tie it back to just my experience because I'm still like, there is no way I'm like completely, I love myself. Whoop-dee-doo. Like, no, absolutely not. I can be very self-hateful and self-loathing on certain days. I had a day like that just yesterday because it happens. You go through hard days um hard weeks and sometimes depressing months i think was like my quote on my instagram thing the other day uh, or something like that but like we, we all go through hard hard times um and it's just important to stay strong and say we will get out of this because the other thing i i mentioned on this quote which i think is i i thought this was kind of not smart but like i thought it was interesting um was this idea that nothing lasts forever nothing lasts forever when we were born we had one guarantee that we were going to die. There were no other guarantees in life. Um, you're born, and the one guarantee is you are going to die. You, you know, you could say you're going to breathe, you're going to eat. Like, no, but you're going to be born with, like, no. The one guarantee is you are going to die. Unless somehow we magically find a way to stay alive forever. But that's, like, science in the future. So, like, for now, the one guarantee on this earth is you are going to die. And even then, like... It can't possibly last forever, forever, if you know what I mean. Like, at some point, you know, there will be the end of this age and a birth of a new one. Humans will go extinct and stuff will happen. (laughs) I think that, you know, nothing lasts forever. It can't. Um, You know? And so I think that that's just important to remember, you know? This isn't going to last forever. And that's a good and a bad thing. Well, not with depression but this idea that nothing lasts forever friendships tend to not last forever which one of you is gonna die um or you know things happen nothing lasts forever i think that's just so important to remember is because right now in the moment it feels like oh my god there is no getting out of this i have dug myself into a pit and i'm drowning and the pit's filling up with water and i don't know what to do and i'm a horrible mess and I stay up really late, and I'm just a crappy person. Like, it's, you know, it's, no. That none, first of all, none of that's true. Because I think that sometimes your brain lies to you. 
but it's like lying to protect you almost it's brains are strange strange things so if you want to know more about brains do some research they're very very strange things but um not everything your brain tells you is true nor is it you um if your brain thinks a thought that doesn't mean that that thought is you so i think that's also an important distinction is not every thought you think is you so don't attach yourself to every single thought you think so if you think oh i'm so ugly be like no i'm not and the word the words my mom uses cancel cancel like i'm ugly nope like imagine a big like cancel cancel and bright red lettering over that like nope you are not and i think that that's an important place to start because you can't always go from i'm ugly to i am beautiful it doesn't happen like that it's a slow transition but i think it first starts with this idea of cancel cancel um like this whole cancel culture thing except that's a whole other mess of bag of worms or whatever but like cancel cancel i think is a great way to start is just saying second you think a thought like nope cancel cancel that's that's not true i don't have to believe that you can choose what you believe and you don't believe but i understand that it is hard and that we get you know so used to these patterns and thinking a certain way and believing this and believing that but that it can be hard and i'm not you know i don't expect you to immediately get it nor do i i don't i don't expect i don't i wouldn't say i don't expect anything of you but i don't expect you to like immediately turn around in, in the you know second like i think that's we have sometimes unrealistic expectations of ourselves for us to just get better quick like it doesn't happen like that it's a slow process when you've been self-loathing and self-hating for so many years it's such a slow process to get back on your feet it doesn't happen fast um so i don't expect you to immediately like boop and i don't think you should either to immediately like boop pop up and be fine like no that's that's not how it works it's not how it works um, it's hard. You can feel like you're drowning. Or for me, I feel like I'm drowning. Um, so, yeah. And that is all for today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. This is just, it was kind of like a My Little Rant, except I stopped the My Little Rants because I want to do something a little different. I think I may go to video or IGTV on Instagram. That's a whole other conversation, but this was kind of like a My Little Rant. I just came on. I talked about my thoughts on depression um my experience with depression seeing depression in others this is going to be a bit of a longer episode if you have any feedback back i would love to hear it um i love hearing from you guys and that is all for today i hope you all have a good day this is the flowering compass my name is maddie seal and i hope you all have a magical day